welcome to the podcast of Imago Day Community Eastside Gathering. Join us in this Sunday service as we look to the scriptures, seeking to be transformed into the image of Christ. Good morning, Imago. Some of you will be surprised that I'm here today. I'm pinch hitting for Rick McKinley, who uh, has a busted hoof today. He was going to jump between campuses today, and he made a, I think, wise call to stay at one campus and then asked if I would come in here and, and pinch hit for him. So I'm just happy to be here. I want to begin by reading you a passage out of Psalm 139, starting at verse 1. And while I'm reading, I would like for you to really listen to the words and really connect yourself to them and ask yourself, do I believe this is true? Do I believe what Michelle is reading to me? Is true. This is a psalm of David, who, as many of you know, is considered a man after God's own heart. Let's start at verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts, my thoughts afar off, which means you understand them even before I think them. And you don't just understand what the thought is going to be, you understand what I mean when I think what I'm going to think. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways, for there is not a word on my tongue. But behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You've hedged me around, behind, and before, and you laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. I've been stunned all this week by that, by this idea of of just how present God is. And like David says, it's too high. I can't understand this. I can't, I, I just don't get it. I don't understand it. So my, my question for you today is, do you believe what I just read? That he's that present, that he's that with you, that he's that loving, that he cares that much. And so I want you to ask yourself that question just within your own heart. And then I want you to take a look at verses 13 and 14. You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. So here's my question. If you believe that, what does that mean? How does your life look if you believe that? I need some responses. What does your life look like if you believe that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and that you are a marvelous work of God 
and that he does not make junk and your soul knows it. What does it look like to live that life? Talk to me. Holistic. Holistic. Kind to yourself. Confident. Unashamed. Dauntless. Any more? Pardon me? Intent. Content. Anybody else? Yeah. Seeing others that way. Any more? I'm not too much. What do you mean by I'm not too much? Okay, so you're not too overbearing and you feel like you're not too much. For whatever it is you express and whoever it is you are, you, you, you feel like it's not too much. Whatever it is, it's enough, right? So it's interesting that many of you said really good things. Most of you said really good things about a person who believes this and knows this. And so we're doing a series right now called Becoming a Community of wholeness and healing. And so this is, this is part two of what Mike started last week, knowing yourself and understanding yourself as you grow and as you, as you put yourself forward. So we tend to think in those terms that when we, when we know that God loves us, when we're certain that he's with us, when we're sure that he's in us, that we are content and that we are confident and that we can reach out to others and that we're kind and that we're good. And that tends to be how it is we, we live our lives. The average person lives their life the way, um, almost on a sliding scale. It's like what we tend to do is we tend to think, well, if God's with me, then I'm a good person. If God is not with me, then I'm not a good person. If God is not close to me, then I'm not a good person. And so we tend to live our lives like that. It's almost as if we said, all right, Jesus, I'm in. I believe the gospel and I'm in. And from that point on, Jesus says, sweet, great. You're on your own. Make it happen. I'll see you when you get to heaven because that's where I'm right now. And I'm going to pray for you because you're going to need some help down there on earth. Right. And so this is how we see that. And so when we when we think about ourselves, we think of a sliding scale of one to ten. I'm far from God if I'm a one and I'm good when I'm ten. And so if we look at this scale with certain behaviors on it. This scale, we see, Okay, so if I'm vengeful, I'm a one today. And I was judgmental, so I'm kind of a two-ish person. My thought life is kind of janky, but it's not too bad, so I'm kind of in the middle. Or I was generous, so I got moved up to a six, or I'm very compassionate, now I'm a nine. And I love, so I'm a ten. And so what we do is, hopefully, when Jesus comes again, I will be up there near a ten, as opposed to down there near a one. Because if he catches me on a bad day, it's not going to be pretty. And he's going to show up and just go, oh, 
Yeah, hi, you're kind of a one, so you need to get back to the back of the line with the people who are coming into heaven. You know, yeah, all tens up to the front, all nines here, all eights, sevens, and then you just go all the way to the back, and then you're back there weeping and gnashing your teeth because that's who you were on earth. But the truth of the matter is, is that it's actually a little different. If we look at Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, then what we find is that the Jesus who was, do you have it or do I need to, I can, I can look it up. Let's see, Ephesians. Oh, we got it, okay. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's New Testament God. Same God that that David was talking about in the Old Testament, this is New Testament God, who is saying, look, you're my handiwork. You're my workmanship, it says in the King James Version. And that word actually is is a word poema from which we get the word poem. We are his poem. We are a part of this beautiful poem that he is expressing of himself to the world. And we are that, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. And if you look at that and compare that to Psalm 139... You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows right well. What we find, instead of the scale of 1 to 10 when we know Christ, we have rather this almost kind of graph of a circle. So when you look at this, the goal is actually union with Christ in the center. Some of you have seen a version of this already, but this is, this is what it looks like. So when you think about this, this is the whole, this is your personhood. Sometimes you're greedy, sometimes you're judgmental, sometimes you're vengeful, sometimes you're compassionate, sometimes you love, sometimes your thought life is good or bad. But the goal ultimately is your union with Christ and this is your whole personhood. It's not this sliding scale of one to 10, but it's rather this whole person that he has encountered and who has said that marvelous are my works and you are my workmanship. All of you is my workmanship. When I listened to Mike's sermon last week, which by the way, you rocked it. When I listened to Mike preach last week, one of the things he said was when God came down from heaven and said, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. This was before he had done anything. And so when we think about God and we think about, you think about the passage in Jeremiah where he says, before you knitted me in my mother's womb, you knew me and you called me and you loved me. Before I did one thing, David says in 139, before I did one thing, I was counted in your book. You love me and you thought about me and you cared about me. So when we start to think about our relationship with God and what it means to become whole in the body of Christ and what it means to be a a person of wholeness and healing, it's not without all of this. But I think there's something missing from this particular picture that would be helpful because here's the thing. When you look at this, 
This can actually turn into that same one to 10 scale. If you look at it just for what it is you see and you think, okay, so today I'm closer to the center and yesterday I was further from the center and even though that's my part, you could still bring yourself to this one scale. But the thing that I think is missing is what goes on the outside of this. When you look at this scale and you see that we belong to Christ, it's easy to look at that and only see what's on the inside, right? But we belong to him. We're his. We belong to him. That's more the truth. And the reason why I think it's important for us to see that is is because if we belong to him, that means all the stuff, not just in our personhood, but around our personhood matters because it all lives within this understanding that we belong to him. So if we're going to be a community of healing and wholeness, we have to start walking through it with that as the given. When you read that Psalm 139 and you look at that, that's why I asked you, do you believe that? Because that is the truth of what belonging looks like. Ephesians 2.10, that is the truth of what belonging looks like. God saying to us, you're mine and you belong to me. And so Paul makes it even simpler in his letter to the Ephesians. Let's when he when he looks when he talks to the church at Ephesus, one of the things he says, keep this uh, graph up there for now. One of the things that he says is that he is the chief of sinners, right? That puts him like right here at this outer area, right? But then he also says that he belongs to him, which puts him closer to the center. And there are all these different things that Paul is and Paul says. Now, Paul was not the easiest guy to live with. Paul was kind of a jerk from time to time, and he was kind of full of himself from time to time, and he was kind of mean from time to time. He would get up in somebody's face if he needed to from time to time. But Paul was not always the easiest guy to live with. So Paul, like many of us, kind of lived all over this thing a little bit. But with time, he got closer and closer to this center So belonging to Christ gets us to this place where we're in union with Christ. And that's what wholeness and healing looks like. But let's look at Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, 20 to 24. He says says to the Ephesians when he's talking to them about how they used to live and how they now live. He says that, the old way, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regards to your former way of life to put off your old self. Remember old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds, remember that, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now this is the same Paul who said to the church in Rome, he said, there are things that I wish I could do that I cannot do in Romans 7.25. He says, there are things that I do that I don't want to do, and there are things that I don't want to do that I do. He says, thanks be to God. When he says, there's some stuff I do, some stuff I don't want to do, and I do it. Some stuff I do want to do, and I don't do it. He says, but he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself, in my mind, 
Remember that, I'm a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Now, if you, if you read that at the end of, I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I do want to do, and you end it right there, that's fine, but you're missing something when you do that. If you go from there to Romans 8, 1 and 2, and look at the whole thing, he says, thanks be to God who delivers me from that tendency to do what I don't want to do and not do what I do want to do. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, because I'm renewed, because I'm the new man, because my mind is, not, is now a slave to God's law, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Right? I hear some, yeah, I like that. This is how we want to live our lives, right? So now why all of this? Why does all this need to be there? The reason it needs to be there is because you need to see the difference between what it looks like to live as the old man who understands our relationship with Christ according to a scale and the new man. So let's look at what it means to live as the old man who is in bondage to his, his flesh and bondage to who he presents himself to be. Now, you guys might know this person because you walk through life trying to figure out how it is you add value, right? You think about your competency, your, your beauty, your money, your talents, your anything. The things that you think you bring to the table. This is how you live your life, right? So you feel like those things are where your security is. Ask yourself what you lead with. What do you lead with when you meet a person? Do you lead with your money? When you want to go out on a date with a woman, do you lead with, you know, with how tall you are, how good looking you are? Women, do you lead with something other than, you know, just, just who you really are in Christ? So what happens to the old man, to the false self, the sliding scale perspective, if you will, is that you work from a position of what kind of value do I add? What do I bring to the table? Because that's where my security is. And when I find my security, then I can belong because I'm acceptable. This is how the old man lives. Does that sound familiar to anybody? How many of you know what it looks like to live like that? Okay, some of you are really extra holy. I like that like being around you. I've been this person more times than I care to admit. I'm still occasionally this person because I simply forget. But what happens in this belonging place is that your belonging is contingent on your security, which is contingent on what you bring to the table and what you add. So you start to feel less than if you're not adding something to the thing. I was reading this story about Mary J. Blige and she was saying, she, was, she just uh, finalized her divorce and one of somebody asked her, you ever want to get married again? She said, yeah, but I'm going to marry somebody who makes more money than me because I'm tired of taking care of people. So she's basically saying, if you're going to step to her, step making sure that you make more money than she does. And that's kind of how we handle our relationship with God. We go to him and we say, okay, what do I have? What are my gifts? What are my talents? How much money do I have? And we allow that to define who we are, and hopefully it makes us more acceptable, right? And so God is saying that is how the old man lives, because we think that our security is in that. How many of you have ever lost a job? 
How did it make you feel after you lost that job? Makes you feel less than, makes you feel just like something's less about you. Something isn't as good. I have worked at jobs where I loved the job, I was making decent money, and then I found out somebody was making more money than me, and I was doing more work than them. Suddenly I was really upset. And I called my agent and said, no, you need to call and get me more money. I signed a contract. But I went all the way there. And when I think about those days and when I think about how I was then, my worth or what I felt I brought to the table literally drove my behavior and made me the person who was not going to be honest enough to say and, and have enough integrity to say, I signed a contract. I wanted them to break that contract. Why? Because that's what I led with. This is what I bring to the table. This is how much work I'm doing. It's more than that person who's making more money. None of that, all of that is old man. So now what does it look like to live as the new man then? So when we look at the new man, we begin at belonging. If you think about that, that, that last chart, Belonging to Christ is where you begin. And it is belonging to him is where you find your security. And you find your security so that then you are secure enough to bring your gifts and your talents and your everything that you are to the table on his behalf and for him. So it just, it's turned around. And do you see the difference in what it looks like to live belonging to Christ versus living belonging to your old man? Because it's your mind understanding that you belong to him. That's where your security is. I could get you told like that in my family all day. And I would need to. And I would do it all the time growing up and when I was younger. And my, fa my family is amazed that I don't have to do that anymore. That if they want to argue and do whatever it is they want to do, I'm like, yeah, okay. They don't know this person. They don't recognize this person as the person they grew up with. But I realize I don't need to be right. Even if I am right, I don't need to. And if you grew up with my family, you would say, that is so not her. That is so not that woman. But I realize that my security is in him. When I stand up here and I preach, my security is in him because I belong to him. And I've been struck a lot lately by the fact that I belong to him and it drives everything I do and the way I do it. So as you move toward wholeness and healing, that is the goal, is to remember moment by moment, day by day, that you belong to him, that you're his, that you are part of the poem, that he wants to express himself in you, that you belong to God, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that he has, he has thoughts and plans that go far beyond what you imagine for yourself and in yourself. And sometimes it's a good idea to just simply ask him, what do you see? when you look at me? How do you feel about me? 
What do you think of me? Because if I belong to you, then I want to know those things. I was thinking about when I was, when I was a kid, I was like maybe five or six. I think I was in the first grade and I was in the, I was in the brownies, which is like the little kid version of the Girl Scouts. So I was a brownie. And one day we were leaving my brownie meeting and my mom was supposed to come get me and she was incredibly late. Now I couldn't tell time, so I don't know how late she was because I couldn't really tell time. I didn't, I just felt long. So I'm sitting on this bench waiting for my mom and I thought to myself, she's so late, she's never coming. She is never coming. So I made it up in my mind that I was going to have to live on that bench because my mom was gone and she was never coming back. I'm not lying. I remember thinking, I'm going to have to live here. So I laid down on the bench to see how comfortable it would be when I slept at night. It wasn't comfortable, but it held me and I was kind of little, so it was like it was all good. And then there was a tree next to the bench and I pulled a leaf off the tree and I ate it because I thought, I'm going to have to eat this tree (laughs) because my mom is never coming to get me. So I need to eat something. I got to eat the tree. It's the only thing around here to eat. So I was eating a leaf and I was like, it does not taste good, but it's going to be the only food I have because I will be here for the rest of my life because my mother is not coming to get me. Now, I'm not mad or anything. I'm just kind of going, well, you know, you got to be practical. I'm going to live on a bench and eat a tree. That's what I'm going to do. So needless to say, my mom came and got me, right? She was really late. She said, you know, I'm sorry I'm late. She picks me up and she takes me. But I think about the fact that it didn't occur to me in my immaturity that I belong to her. And she's not going to not come get me. My little kid brain was going, she's not coming. So I will be the girl who lives on a bench. This is my address. This is where I'm going to live. Because I didn't understand that because I was hers, she was going to come and get me. That that was going to drive her behavior concerning me. And so when you think about God, he says, he says in Proverbs, he says, your mother and your father may forsake you, but the Lord won't forsake you. He says through the prophet Isaiah, he says, a woman breastfeeding a child will leave her child before I forget about you. She'll forget. Okay, how many of you mothers have breastfed? Put your hands up. Can you imagine forgetting that there's somebody there? Can you just imagine like getting up, going to the kitchen with a baby hanging from your boob, and you're just going, you know, hey, so what's going on? The baby's just hanging there. That's painful, right? You're not going to forget that. Even if you fall asleep with that kid in your arm, if that kid just makes one little whine, you're going to wake up. Now think about that for a second. God says a mother would forget a child nursing at her breast before I would forget about you. So now how does that drive you? How does that truth and that understanding change the way you behave? Well, what it does is when we start to think about what it means to be mature and what it needs to grow, what it means to grow. It means that we actually don't have to be in bondage to that sliding scale when we think about what it means to be mature. Because when you think about the sliding scale, maturity is up at 10, right? 
but that means all gifts and no liabilities. How many people do you know who are all gifts and no liabilities? All gifts, never cranky, never judgmental, never vengeful, never problematic, never prideful, never, ever, ever sin. I know one, and he's not here right now. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father praying for the rest of us who aren't. Because truthfully, if you think about it, if he is, if there was one person on this earth who could be number 10, perfect, no liabilities, he would not have had to die on the cross. He would have said, sweet, we got one. Let's make some more. Get, the re- get rid of the rest of them. Make some more of that one. He doesn't do that. That's not what he did because there's no not one of us who is that, right? So what does maturity look like for the new man? Because that's the old man. What's maturity look like for the new man? Remember this? It's all my gifts and my liabilities. I bring all of those things to Christ. And a lot of us think that maturity comes with time. But it really doesn't. It comes with experience. It comes with responding And the more we respond to God by the power of the Holy Spirit because we belong to Christ and because we belong to him, his Holy Spirit lives in us and lives with us and lives for us, then we get to respond to him over time. And the more we respond, the more responsive we become. A person who's cracking a safe, one of the first things a safe cracker does is file off his fingerprints. He files them off because they make his fingers less sensitive to feeling what goes on. And that's kind of what happens in our relationship with God over time. He kind of sandpapers our resistance a little bit through trial, through blessing, through just relationship till our soul and our heart gets to the place where we're dialed in, where we sense him better than we used to where we're more certain of him than we used to be, where we're less fearful about him than we used to be, where we walk into a place and we think, I might not be qualified and I not, might not have, the, have the, the, the ability to do this thing, but I believe God has called me to it. And I heard him and I'm going and I'm doing it because my heart is more sensitive to him. And it is with that responding to God that we become more responsive to him. And we become more responsive to him when we remember moment to moment that we belong to him. Because this isn't isn't just a path over time. This This is a way in our moments. In every one of our moments, he calls us into and out of our identity in him. Into and out of our identity with him. So we get called into that place, and as we move according to what we believe we heard him say, what we believe we know he wants us to do or be, in a moment, because it's hard sometimes when you look at some people and you just go, I cannot be that holy. My running joke with my friends is I'm only 51% saved, and every once in a while that 49 will kick in. And I am not a happy camper when it does. But the truth of the matter is, is that I belong to him 100% of the time. Even when that 49 is kicking in, I belong to him. 
And the more time I spend with him, the more I experience him, the more I respond with him, the more mature I become. It doesn't mean that the more I will act like a good Christian. It means the more sensitive to him I will become. It means the more, the more I will want to be with him. Paul talks about Jesus who thought it not robbery to be called equal with God and who came to earth and who obeyed even unto death. And then Paul tells them that's the example. It is through time and through experience and through responding obediently to God that we become mature. And then he says in Philippians, he says, therefore, he says, I want you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling Because it is God, that was it, that was it, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do you see the motion? He works in you what he wants to work out of you. And maturity is simply responding to what he works into you so that he might work out of you what he already has planned. You poem, you workmanship, you person who God already has in his imagination, who it is you are. And the goal is to become the side that he sighed when he first dreamed you up. When he said, I'm going to make me a faith, he said, yeah. And that woman is the one he's going to work out of faith, what he's put into her. And Mercedes and Eric and all of you, God has said, there's already a thing that I'm working into you and what I'm working into you is what I want to work out of you. So maturity and healing and wholeness is all about our willingness to respond to who God is. And what he says, and to become simply more sensitive to it. And that's possible because we belong to him. So now, as I was thinking about this and looking at this, what I realized was just so radical about the gospel is that we become what we become, not in order to belong to him, but because we belong to him, right? And so the radical message of the gospel is that God in Christ came to us with our sin. Not that we came to him without it. He came to us where we are. And so maturity is not us doing anything that we could possibly do without him and without Christ. So now my question to you is, do you believe this? Do you believe the radical message of the gospel? It occurs to me that some of you believe this, that some of you don't, and that some of you believe it just in this moment, and others of you believe it but have never said, I believe this. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for us, But what I also want to do is every pastor, every elder, every teacher, every evangelist. Now, here's what's interesting. You all know who you are. You all know that you can pray for people. Some of you know exactly how to pray for people. Some of you are paid to pray for people. You know, some of you are pastors and some of you are leaders in this church. 
I want those of you who know you fall into those categories to stand up. Oh, seriously? Now, I need the few people who know but didn't stand because they weren't sure they wanted anybody to see them. I need those of you to stand up as well because you heard him. Thank you. You heard him. Now, if there is anybody in this place when I am done praying who simply would like to say to someone out loud, I believe this, and can you pray for me? Look around this room. Pick a person, and before you go home today, I want you to just say just those words. I believe that, and I want you to keep this up here. I, want, I believe this, and, and I want you to pray for me, because I believe this, because this means I belong to you. This means I belong to you, and I want to live my life out of that, belonging to you. Okay? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this church. I know that we were born in your imagination. Don't sit down, those of you who stood up. I know that we were born in your imagination, Father, and I just pray now that for those people whose hearts you've touched, for those people who simply want to know you, for those people who simply want to get on this path to healing and wholeness, because it really is a very practical thing as long as we have your spirit in us and with us and for us. Father, it really is that simple. It might not be easy, but it is that simple. And so my prayer, Lord, is that each and every person whose heart was pricked or touched or that felt you, that they would see one of these people standing and say, I believe that, and, I, and I, wanna, I want to officially belong to him. Father, I thank you for this church, and I thank you that we have decided to covenant together and walk together into wholeness and into health and into maturity. And I ask you, Lord God, to just be with those people in their tender place of newness with you, and that we would hold their hands and walk forward with them. I thank you for these people who will be up here in worship, and I thank you for the future of this church. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that God will use this message to strengthen your faith and draw you into a deeper relationship with himself. If you're interested in hearing other sermons or want more information about the church, please visit our website at idceastside.com. Thanks for listening.